Hi TJers, it is Joe Cook here and I'm on a call here with somebody that I've been referencing for a number of years. I'm really glad to be speaking to him. Uh, Dave, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from and what you do. Awesome. Thanks so much, Joe. Uh, my name is Dave Parody. For those of you who are not familiar, who haven't heard Joe talk about me yet, and I am located just outside of Toronto, Canada in a city called Mississauga. I am a professional speaker, presentation expert, author, and I specifically focus on effective use of PowerPoint presentations because that's the tool that most of us are forced to use all the time in our work. And what Joe has seen and some of you have probably seen is some of the work I've done around surveying audiences about what they find effective and not effective in the area of PowerPoint presentations. And then I take that and most of what I do are customized workshops for corporate groups where I will work with a work group and look at their specific types of presentations and give them advice on how they can improve those presentations, make them more effective for their audiences. Oh, I love that because we've all seen bad PowerPoint. We've all seen bad presentations, no matter what the software is. And I love the fact that you use the word forced to use PowerPoint. Is that what it's like for a lot of people? It absolutely is because what happens is uh, organizations get Microsoft Office. They put it on everybody's computer and say, there you are now an expert in all of these pieces of software and we expect mm -hmm. you to be effective using them. And it's kind of interesting because in our formal schooling, whether that was in our high school, whether that was in college, university, whether that was a graduate degree, whether it's a professional designation, it's just assumed that we know how to use all of these tools effectively. And nowhere are we trained on how to do that. So when we get into an organization and they say, here's your computer, you are expected to be an expert in everything that's on it. Uh, where do we go? We just do the best we yeah. can. And then the trouble is with the best we can, for some people that's amazing. For some people, even though they're trying hard, it's kind of falling short of the mark. And as I said, before we started recording, I've been quoting your work for five or six years at least. Uh, I was introduced to it by Colin Steed, who, who are UK people will know from Learning Now TV. Um, tell us about why did you start the Annoying PowerPoint survey and how long have you been running it? The first survey I did uh, was actually in 2003. And I started it because uh, people would always talk about how annoying the presentations were that they had to sit through. But that was all they would say. They wouldn't get any more specific than that. So I figured if, if presenters were going to improve, they needed some more detail of what should we be doing better or, or more importantly, in some cases, what should we stop doing that's annoying our audiences? So I started there and I do the survey every two years and it has changed slightly over the years. There are sometimes I'll add additional questions to get us more insights. And in each of those surveys, I'm able to draw out the themes that people are talking about. And the one that's been constant throughout has been the list of 12 items I give people. And I say, pick your top three things that annoy you about bad PowerPoint presentations. And my hope is that presenters will see some of those behaviors and go, gee, you know what, maybe I'm doing some of those. I should stop doing those. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And roughly kind of what kind of numbers of people are filling in these surveys? Well, it's interesting. In the, At the start, I had a lot more people filling it in. We would have, you know, six, 700 people filling in the survey. The most recent survey that was just done earlier this year released, uh, the survey results were released in October. Um, we had over 200. And I think part of that is because um, when I started back in 2003, uh, internet surveys and doing something online, well, yeah, I'll do that. But today, everybody is so inundated with yeah. everything. And, and you know, it's, it, it's interesting because it kind of mirrors what we see in one of the results. One of the results of the survey is I ask people, how often do you see PowerPoint presentations? And that increase has been dramatic over the time I've been doing mm-hmm. the survey because more and more of everything has gone online. And, it, you know, you're, you, our, our listeners here know that because they're being asked to provide more and more training online. Why? Because everything's been going that way. So we see the the general trends mirrored in some of what we see in the survey as well. Absolutely fascinating. And to those kind of top three points, they've been similar for a number of years, haven't they? Uh, the top three have been the top three every single year. The the number two and three switch places sometimes, <laughs> but every single time uh, it comes out to the top three. And, and by far the most annoying thing that a presenter can do, according to the audience. So again, it's not Joe and I telling you this, folks. This is what audience told me in the mm-hmm. survey. The number one most annoying thing is when the speaker reads the slides to us. Even worse, oh. when the speaker stands there with their back to the audience and reads the slides directly oh. off the screen. And I mean, everybody again is rolling their eyes like Joe is and going, oh my gosh, I've sat through that. It's awful. But the question is, why does it keep happening? Because I've been telling people again since 2003 that this is the most annoying thing you can do. And we keep seeing it happen over and over and over again. And Joe, I think the reason that it keeps happening is because people do not invest the time in planning their content and figuring out what they want to say. What they do, and and you've seen this and all of our listeners have seen this, you fly on any airplane on a business flight. I was just on one a few weeks ago to Boston. I saw the person sitting right across the aisle from me. They were madly creating their PowerPoint presentation on the flight, knowing that when they get off, they have to go and Mm -hmm. deliver it. How much do you think they rehearsed it? Absolutely zero. And and they use the slides as their own prompt or even script to that level of, of degree. Absolutely. Some people say, well, I use my slides as my notes to remind me of what to say. No, I think most people who who use it that way actually use it, as you said, as a teleprompter. And they read everything off the slide because, you know what, then I don't have to remember anything. It's so easy. (laughs) That's what they're there for, isn't it, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately, that's what too many people think they're there for. And part of the issue is that people tell me, well, Dave, I have to put everything on because, you know, what if somebody looks at this after the fact? They they mm-hmm. didn't hear me say something. I've got to have everything on the slide. Yeah. I was just like, no, this is where knowing the software becomes into it because you've got the notes field or you've got a custom presentation you can give people where you've got slides one, three, and five, and there are extra slides in there for other people or send a Word document or something else than having an information dump on your slide. Absolutely. 
And what about then the the second and third one is uh, they're kind of almost interrelated to some degree. Text too small and full sentences. And I'm actually really glad that you've changed from bullet points to full sentences over the years as a smaller side. Yeah, the the two the, the the number two and number three they are absolutely related to number one because as you start typing in PowerPoint the default setting is if I keep typing off the bottom of the screen PowerPoint will reduce the font to yeah. fit everything on the screen which Yay, is actually <laughs> you know it's it's a good thing except the problem is is never get down to the bottom and keep typing <laughs> so um, when you keep typing and you're not thinking about your structure, you write in full sentences because you're creating that transcript. Your software has to scrunch the text down into what I refer to as micro printing. Mm -hmm. And what happens when you put that on your laptop and it's projected on the screen? Naturally, when you see a full sentence, what do we all want to do? Read, Read it. it. It's yeah. a natural response, natural human response. So it's it really goes back to that initial issue of not spending the time planning what we're going to say making deliberate decisions about our presentation and just simply doing a brain dump onto slides mm -hmm. and we're pretty much forced to read it and what is the so if we take away the full sentences part let's say somebody does have short sharp to the point sentences um, or points that they're making the text could still be too small why is that an issue regardless of whether you're in a classroom a conference hall or a webinar the the reason that text being too small is an issue in my opinion is that your audience is going to spend more time focusing on trying to read that text and therefore they're not listening to you medical mm -hmm. research tells us the brain can't do both at the same time yep. and what i say in my customized workshops is i say if you ever hear yourself say i know you can't read this at the back mm -hmm. just turn the projector off yeah. because it's not helping anybody anyways you've actually just admitted that it's not helping anybody anyways. And so that's where the issue comes that your text is too small. Sometimes it's because your organization's template has it very small. Sometimes you've copied content from let's say Excel and pasted it in. The text is very small on a huge spreadsheet. But in all those cases, what you're doing is you're causing the audience to take their focus away from what you are saying and focus on something that's very, very difficult. And this is becoming more of an issue, Joe, and, and I'm glad you brought up webinars because more and more people are consuming our content on mobile devices. And if yeah. you think on your big 28 inch screen that you have at your desktop, something is small, try looking at it on your phone. It's like a smudge you're trying to wipe off. It is. And, and this is what I think is the trouble with webinars, virtual classrooms, um, is that people kind of go, oh, well, it's on a monitor. And like, no, it's not always on a monitor. And even if it is, by the time we've taken away the chat window, the annotation toolbar, the fact that actually somebody's got their email up and they're trying to do that as well, and they've got you in a small window, you know, that's the reality of the, of the life we're in now in corporate organizations. That writing is tiny. Absolutely. And so what are some of the things that you are trying to get people to think about in terms of, OK, I know I might do some of these things on your list that people, hey, I want to get better. I want to do these things in a different way. What are some of the things that you can suggest for people to start thinking about? 
well, I'm going to go back to what the audience tells me in the survey. Because one of the things I ask the audience members is I say, okay, so what would you want us as presenters to do differently? So I think let's listen to them. And when I looked at all of the comments that people wrote in, uh, it kind of uh, breaks down into three areas. But the theme is please serve us as your audience, not serving you as the presenter. So the three areas, first of all, content. Um, Really think hard about your goal. What is the reason that you're asking people to come to this presentation or training session? Too often, people don't have a goal and they just do a brain dump and leads to what we've already talked about. They want, once there is a goal, to have a clear flow or structure to the message. If it's all over the place, you're forcing the audience to try to figure it out. And trust me, they have other things that they'd rather do. Um, And we talked about this overload of detail. Joe, you mentioned a couple of really great strategies of having hidden slides in the file. That's additional detail that people can look at afterwards. Word documents, other supplemental information. Take that detail out of your presentation so that your content is focused. And then your slides. Slides are not supposed to be a transcript. You've already heard Joe and I both say that, so <laughs> please, please, you know, hold on to that. What they should be, in my opinion, is a headline that summarizes the point you want people to get and a visual that illustrates that point. And, oh, you know, text doesn't yes. need to be a uh, something we eliminate from our presentations. You know, I, you're mm-hmm. going to hear people say no slide should ever have text on it ever again. And I think that's just frankly unrealistic. I think text yeah. slides are going to be very important. But what you do with them, how you organize your text to make it more visual is what's going to be important. And then delivery. You know, if you're going to deliver a, a presentation, please rehearse it. And I want to make a distinction here, and this is something I learned years ago in a previous publication, the difference between practice and rehearsal. Practice is when you sit at your laptop and you click through your slides thinking, okay, that's what I'm going to say. Okay, good. Yeah, no, I'm ready. No. Rehearsal is standing and delivering it out loud. It was, you know, one of the people wrote in on the survey that what really annoys them is when the presenter discovers the slides at the same time as the audience. I love that (laughs) phrase. And we've all seen that far too often. We don't want that to be the case. See, when you know what's coming up, you can engage your audience. That's what they want us to do. Engage them with stories, with examples, with ways this is going to apply to their life. Those are the things that the audience tells us they want presenters to do better. And everything just flows so much better. I must admit, I was surprised by some slides the other evening. I'd forgotten that I put some summary slides in and I kind of led into my last slide and went, oh yeah, I thought I'd do a summary for you. (laughs) And so, you know, these things do happen. But you're absolutely right. If you're getting it right 80 or 90% of the time, you usually got it forgiven for the last bit. Right. And um, and so what's maybe kind of one thing that you've learned on your journey uh, in helping other people, that one thing that you go, yes, that's what I love about this? Well, there's, there's two things that people tell me they will remember from my workshops more than anything else. And the first is structure your message. Figure out your goal, figure out what the audience needs, and then structure to meet those needs. And the second, which is, I think, quite related is write a headline for every single slide. A headline is something that you, if you want an analogy, it's like a headline from a news article. 
whether you look at a paper, newspaper, or online news site, it doesn't matter. They write headlines. And when you plan your messages, you write a headline for every message. It gives the presentation that structure that the audience needs. It then allows you to select your visuals based on those messages, as opposed to just looking at a blank screen and going, what looks cool? Because cool visuals are not necessarily going to be effective visuals. Love that. And we could do a whole other podcast on visuals, but we will pause right here. Uh, Dave, it's been so good talking to you. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Uh, Where can we find about the annoying PowerPoint survey and also more about what you do? All of that is found on my website at www.thinkoutsidetheslide.com. There is a whole section on resources for presenters. The latest survey results, the the full report is uh, there, as well as uh, I've written over 100 articles, over 450 issues of my newsletter. You can sign up for the newsletter if you want, but all of that content is available on my website. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Dave. Uh, I look forward to chatting to you another day about great PowerPoint. (laughs) Excellent. Thanks so much, Joe. And thanks for having me on the podcast.